Hi, and welcome to the Involved Company Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Gonzalez-Sander. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. Each week on the Involved Company Podcast, I discuss various topics with women of color about anything and everything from entrepreneurship, family, money, self-discovery, and more. I really wanted to create this space for women of color to explore and reflect on their identities in an open way. And today's guest is Victoria, the woman behind Vital Becomings. She's a human design coach, and today she's going to give us the 101 on human design and how it can be helpful in our lives. So she's going to talk a little bit about what led her to human design, how she left her corporate job, and why this is important and how it can really guide you as a person in understanding who you are. And I'm just going to dive into this one right away because we cover a lot of information in this episode. At the moment, you guys, we're almost at a thousand downloads in just under a month. So I really wanted to just say thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you keep sharing it with a friend you think might like it. If you can, please subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes. As always, I would love for you to stick around until the end of the episode when I share some of the things happening with Inbold Company outside of the podcast. All right, let's go. Yay, I'm so excited that you reached out. Yeah, same. I'm excited to chat. And thank you for being flexible with my like weird schedule. It's just, of course. It's really hard. My boss is pregnant. She has a daughter right now and like schedule wise it's complete mayhem I'm sure yeah I know I I totally get it I mean I was in my corporate job up until the end of January so just like juggling things I know stuff comes up fires happen no sweat yeah how have you been feeling since you left your corporate job like a different person um (laughs) I think for me like just to go into like my background a little bit I started having health issues in at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. And that was kind of like right around my Saturn return was starting. And it was just like, Mm. I was being told it was time to leave. And I like clung on for another three years. So I had been thinking about leaving the corporate world for a while, because there was a part of me that knew it was just so out of alignment with my health. But it Mm -hmm. took a long time for me mentally and like the ego layers to fall away to get there. So it was just really surreal. I'm like, Oh, wow, I'm finally here. Whoa. No, definitely. I mean, it's really hard to leave a corporate job. You probably get paid well. You have benefits. I mean, I can do the job. I just don't like it. Yeah. There's a sense of security. Yeah. For sure. All of that. And for me, like, I guess like for my spiritual journey really began in 2012 when I took a yoga teacher training kind of before mm-hmm. that as well. It's like, you know, you hit a low point and you're like, I need something to make me feel better. So like sort of before then too, but a big part of, of it for me was like, I didn't really know what I wanted. Like I had grown up with parents that were like, okay, you need to like do well in school as so many as of us do. It's like, I was praised for the things that I did. And so I just learned to like pursue that, right? It's like, if a plant mm-hmm. gets watered and like the sun is like coming out of one corner, it's going to grow in that direction. Right. But I didn't, it wasn't actually intrinsically fulfilling to me. So mm-hmm. once I worked through that with like therapist, inner child yeah. stuff, you, I know you were talking in your first episode <laughs> about that shadow work. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, all of these things are, these were all lies that I was telling myself. So like now what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely understand. You kind of have to 
go through the self-discovery journey and it can take a really long time to get there. I know a lot of people that have felt like a lot of immigrant stories, right? If your parents are immigrants, they came here to like work really hard and put you through school and therefore you must do really well in school mm-hmm. and, and to be successful and make money. Totally. And I had that for so long. And the more I think about it now, though, it's like, you know, all the meditations and things I've done thinking about my parents and my grandparents. I'm like, okay, if they were actually to talk to me now, like, would they want me to be in the same, like, lack mentality, stress, behaving the ways they did? Like, hell no. Like, look around, we live in a post scarcity world, there's so many resources available to us. Like, and so it's really on us to like, honor what happened, but then also be able to let go, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's that ancestral trauma. Yeah. Which I talked about with Bernie in the first episode too. So yes, I really want to dive into ancestral trauma and healing more Mm -hmm. because I think in the minority community, that is, it just has such a stronghold on a lot of us in ways that we don't really think about but that's for a different time. Well, it kind of relates to human design, actually, in a little bit, like if I can just drop in. So, well, maybe let me explain it first, and then I'll say the bit as it relates to ancestral trauma, which is, so human design is a system to really just help us live in more flow. Like there's a lot of woo-woo ways to explain it, but it's like when I talk to my friends in like the corporate world or that I know from school, it's like, it Mm -hmm. just helps make your life easier. You know, like when we can come back to our own inner sense of what does my intuition sound like? Like what feels good in my body when my energy is aligned versus not aligned? So with that as the starting point, it also says there's different ways that we can exchange our gifts and our energy with the world that's either more in flow or not. So there's five different types, and we'll talk about the energy types in a bit. But if you look at the chart, there's all these different kind of colored or uncolored shapes on them. So Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I have mine up. Yeah, so each shape is a chakra, essentially. It's it's borrowed from the chakra system. It's a little bit different. It doesn't match up one for one because there's nine centers in the human design chart and seven in the traditional chakra system. But one of the centers in human design is related to the spleen, which is all about our immune system and survival. And each of the gates, which is like a number slash like line coming off, is an ancestral fear essentially that we oh. that we all have in order to survive, right? Because it's like with every gift we have, there's the gift of it, but then there's also like if we misuse it, the shadow side or the low side. Mm-hmm. So like if for you, for example, Christina, you have a fear of the future, but what that means is <laughs> what that also means <laughs> is that you're really good at sniffing out like what's going to happen in the future. You can kind of see what is coming our way so that we can adapt. Mm-hmm to change and fit into those new circumstances, right? So there's part of you that's like, yeah, there's part of you that's (laughs) deeply intuitive and like constantly perceiving what's going on here in the now. It's like all of your inner senses, like you're seeing, you're smell, like you're hearing, like you'll pick up sounds and it's like, what is that? What's going to happen? Oh my gosh, like is someone going to, you know, whatever, is someone coming? Yeah, I see your face. How is that landing? I'm like, huh. Yeah, that's really resonating for me right now. I can't wait to dive into this. Yeah. Yes, I'm super pumped. Well, and so just to bring it back to the ancestral trauma topic, just to tie a bow on it, it's like each of these gates, there's other ones. It's like, are you scared of the past? Are you scared of running out of time? Whatever. They hold all of the experiences that our ancestors had with, you know, famine, war, violence, oppression, whatever. So it's like, okay, there is part of us that, you know, it's there for a reason. And so it's just how do we come into a healthy balance with it? Mm. 
I love it. Yeah. I love any sort of framework that helps me at least either understand myself better to then improve or change my perspective. I love learning about all of this stuff. And obviously you saw my, my eyes light up when you're just talking about that because I was like, oh, yes. I mean, I've done so many different frameworks, right? I've always been super into tarot, numerology when I was little, just literally everything, even Myers-Briggs, Enneagrams. What's the, oh, there's one that's for work, Gallup, mm-hmm. right? Fingers. Of, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of my strengths is futuristic. Oh my God. Okay. This is so funny. Cause my, so funny. I have to share this story. My partner, he just took strength finders this morning because his mentor asked him to take it. Oh. And he has futuristic as one of his strengths. And when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, that matches up with your chart because you have this gate and I'm looking at your chart right now and you have it too. And so have this, is blowing, <laughs> this is blowing my mind because it's like, I don't know if you're into this kind of stuff, you're obviously into learning more about yourself. So generally the kind of person is like, yeah, I've taken all the tests. Right. Mm -hmm. But the coolest part to me is that like, they all say the same thing, even though they're completely different systems. And so for you, this is just so fun. I love validating this. Yeah. So gate number one, it's defined for you. It's turned on and all of the gates are from, they're borrowed from the I Ching, right? So like Mm -hmm. there's I Ching and then human design always has its own kind of take on it, but the numbers go from one to whatever. 64. And one is, it's the energy of newness. It's the beginning, right? So you're someone who really wants to create new things for the sake of self-expression. It's like, you feel like you when you create new things. And so to me, that's also very, like, there's a tie to the futurist piece of it. Cause you're like, it's like, Hey, what's new? Let's start this. Yeah. Wow. This is wild. Well, okay. Yeah. I feel like I'm incredibly excited and I'm going to take my sweater off now because I'm getting hot <laughs> because of my excitement. And so one thing before we truly dive into this, because I feel like we're kind of like getting into the groove. One thing that I really like to do with each of my guests is pull an Oracle card. Mm. And everyone knows I I do this every time. I'm assuming you know what it is, Mm -hmm. right? And for people that haven't listened to the podcast before, Oracle cards, basically they have a theme on the card. You can pull it every day. And I like to do it for the episode to kind of see if this theme likes to play out throughout the episode or what have you. So we'll, we'll talk about it later, but I'm going to shuffle the deck for you. And then you can just tell me to stop whenever. Stop. Okay. Oh, all right. So we have meditation, Mm. which I've not been able to do all week. And I'm just going to read a little bit about it in here. And then we'll kind of dive into everything. So Is your mind crystal clean that the universe is able to communicate clearly? Are you able to hear its wisdom? Meditation teaches you how to achieve and maintain inner balance through any situation, be it imagined or actual. It beckons you to go deeply inward, past internal experiences, external triggers into the ocean of true equilibrium at the core of your being. Much healing, releasing, and re-nourishing, both in the physical body and the auric field occurs. We go in to come out. So that's what the little booklet says, but I already feel like that resonates with what we're going to talk about. So yeah, I'm excited. I kind of want to start, we already talked about this a little bit about how you got into human design. Like what led you to this specifically? So I 
I found human design about three years ago when I was living super out of alignment, essentially. So it's kind of when all my health issues were happening. And I had already been on the path of doing a lot of self-work and spiritual work. But I think when I found human design, like literally in my mind, there is a before knowing about human design and an after. Because I will talk more about the energy types, but I'm a projector. And so Mm -hmm. what that means is we still need to take breaks when we do things that we love. And we're really here to guide energy. And actually, even though we can see things really clearly, we really have to be invited to share our gifts. Otherwise, it kind of falls flat. And when I heard these things, I was like, oh my God, I wanted to cry because it was like, it felt so true. And then it also highlighted to me how the sort of mainstream work ethic, what is success, all of that, like didn't apply to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I've been living a lie, you know, Mm -hmm. in some ways. And so it was really the beginning of me. I mean, obviously there were other things happening at the time, but it was a framework for me to take back like my power in many ways on how do I want to live my life? Because I was so burnt out. I was pushing. I had blood sugar issues. I had gut issues. My hormones started getting really out of whack. You know, I lost my period. I was having insomnia. And then all this was happening. And I was like, I can't change everything, but I was still working like 50, 60 hours a week um, because I was just hanging on so tightly. Right. And then finally got to the point when people close to me in my life were like, you need to take a break. And I ended up going on medical leave. And I remember going to the doctor to get like my note signed. And it was someone I had never met before, actually, but I needed like her credentials. And within it was I had less than a 10 minute conversation with her. And she was like, yeah, you should go on anxiety and depression meds. Like that's how kind of like out of whack, but I didn't see it at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it also says something about the Western medical system, but that's another topic. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, like, oh, okay. Mm, Right. So it was a big kind of wake up moment. And then from there, I had been in human design, we say, we call it deconditioning, which is just working on all the limiting beliefs and subconscious blocks. I had been doing that. And once I could step away, I thought about, okay, what do I really like doing? And in my corporate job, I had been managing and growing a team. And I loved coaching people, but whenever we talked about, you know, people would come to me with issues like, oh, I want a promotion or I'm having trouble on this tactical thing. Like, how do I speak up more? And of course we could talk about it in the work context, but there was always this part of me, the yoga spiritual side that was like, oh, but I just want to talk to you about like your ancestral trauma and your inner child and all this other stuff in real life, like the true root cause of all of this. Right. And so So once I left and I was thinking about what I really want to do, it was like human design has changed my life. I want to coach and work with people on these like true root cause things that will, of course, help your career, but also everything else. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's where I am now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's like if you're a manager and someone comes to you about one piece of advice, it's usually bleeding into something else, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't feel comfortable speaking up for yourself in the workplace, that stems from something else and everything is interconnected and everything bleeds into each other. Exactly. It's like, I can tell you tactically, like, oh, remember to ask a question in every meeting, but it's like, okay, what's really blocking your throat energy, right? Like, were you shamed from speaking your truth? Um, (laughs) There were some people that were definitely, I I mean, I, I live in the Bay. And so people in, you know, San Francisco are pretty, some people are open to that. It's like, which people on my team go to yoga? Like, okay, let's talk. But (laughs) I never, you know, I never got to go as deep as I truly wanted to. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, tell me a little bit more about your background and growing up. We've talked about it a little bit, but I think a lot of people would resonate with how you were feeling. Totally. That, you know, your parents' story and your story is intertwined and that's kind of what led you 
to this point. So yeah, could you tell us a little bit yeah. more? So my parents, um, so I'm Chinese American. My grandparents are from China. They fled to Taiwan. So my parents were born there and then they came to the U.S. in the 70s for grad school. And it's funny, like, you know, we're talking about Asian Americans or women of color, but even within Asian American, there's so many different like flavors of stories. So I definitely recognize the level of privilege that I have with parents that have like advanced degrees and so forth, right? Anyway, so they came and I grew up in a white suburb, kind of in the Bay Area, just like always had really high expectations, my parents did, of academic success. That was like a really big thing for them. And Mm -hmm. with the work that I've done now, you know, I can really see beyond that and feel into for them how stressful it must have been to be in this like very intense Asian academic environment where like, you know, they're testing you at like seventh grade for like what you need to do for the rest of your life and like, you know, hitting people and like whatever with rules. So like, I really have an appreciation now for some of their own traumas around how like intense things were for me. Cause like I have going into trauma a bit, like I have memories of like just like sobbing over like division homework because I felt like I couldn't get it and I wasn't doing it fast enough or I like, you know, I didn't get a hundred percent or whatever, but, and it's so real. I'm still working on some of that. And I mentioned this specifically because that actually is a big part of my, what kept me in the corporate career for so long is just like this shadow of being dumb. Like that was just so unsafe for me. Right. So I was always trying to prove that. And once I worked through like, I can be dumb, it's okay. Nothing bad's going to happen then I could finally like step out for me like, okay, I don't need anything from this corporate career anymore. Mm. So anyway, so yeah, grew up, I mean, like kind of like a typical suburban upbringing involved in lots of activities that I wasn't really that excited by. Like when I think Mm -hmm. back now about my like core essence me, like she's much more creative than like I really had time to, that I really got to develop at the time. Yeah. It's it's like, Maybe you were more focused on things that you could put on college applications. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Extracurriculars. Totally. I mean, I was thinking about it just like maybe this last week. I think even in like middle school, I just knew that like college was a thing that I had to do. Right. And it was like, and then I didn't really know like what was going to be after that. Like it was supposed to just all work out. Right. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the goal, right? You grow up. I mean, I'm sure for a lot of people, it's like, the idea of going to college is so embedded Mm -hmm. in your brain Mm -hmm. from when you're super little, you're like, you will do everything to get into college. Yeah. That's how I I felt. And I was like, yes, I'm going to go to college. Totally. I have a really (laughs) funny story about that, that my mom told me, and I don't even really remember this happening, but I was really little, maybe like preschool aged. And by that point I had already internalized, I had to go to college. And my mom tells this story where like, I was trying to think about like, when I grow up, what do I want to be? And does it involve going to college? Right. And so I'd be like, Oh, does like a vet have to go to college? Like, okay, cool. Like I can be a vet. And then at one point I asked, does a clown have to go to college? Oh no. Okay. Can't be a clown. Like (laughs) this conversation apparently happened. So it's so true. I can't do that. Yeah. My parents are immigrants. Also, my mom mostly grew up in the U S but since I was really little, it was always like, you are going to college. And I was like, okay, done deal. And you work really hard toward that. And I think when you work so hard toward this like lifelong goal, you go to college and you get out of college and you're like, so yeah, (laughs) who's going to direct me into what direction I go now that I just did my lifelong goal in college is especially a time where you're doing a lot of exploring, you're trying new things. And a lot of that experience can change your perspective on 
how you want to live your life moving forward. At least that's what it was like for me. You know, a lot of people do graduate from college. They hop into the corporate scene. They start doing it, work their way up, get on the hamster wheel of nine to five or longer. Right. And then I feel like one day you wake up and you're like, do I even like this? Yeah. And so in many ways, like I'm actually grateful for a lot of the health issues I had because it forced me to like answer those questions versus just like float along and be like, yeah, I guess this is like fine. Right. But also we all have our own journey and our own timing. So, you know, Mm -hmm. all good. I'm sure your body was telling you something too. Yeah. I mean, so exactly to your point, like went to college, like that was what I had to do. And then there was always a part of me that knew that I was interested in, like, I was always interested in like farming and sustainability and like nourishing myself. And like, I don't know that wellness existed in the same way that it does now, but like kind of that sphere. And it's interesting to look back at some of the struggles I had through the lens of human design, because when I was in college, there was this burning part of me that was like, I just need to make an impact. Like, that's all I want to do. So at the time I was like, well, I could like go and do Teach for America or I could go do the Peace Corps. And I looked at that too. <laughs> yep, and I like applied and like basically got assignments for all those things and pulled out last minute because it like something at the last minute was like, this isn't right. But there's a part of the human design chart called your profile, which is sort of like how you live out your karma. And mm. for me, well, there's three kinds, but there's two. Most people fall in one of two categories. One is transpersonal where you have an impact on others first. And that's how you feel the most worthy and, you know, of purpose. And then there's people who have a personal karma. And so you're here to really find out something about yourself first. And eventually, you know, you find out something about yourself and that affects other people. You affect other people and you learn something about yourself. It's like just two sides of the same experience, but it's kind of like your starting point. And so for me, it's like, man, if I had just known then that I have this transpersonal karma that I will have an impact on people, but I don't have to go out and chase it. I don't have to force it to happen some way. I just would have hopefully like, I think I would have had a lot more ease around it. But at the time, it was a big struggle. But I had done a bunch of work with nonprofits in in college and felt like the pace was too slow. So I ended up in the corporate world. And yeah, and I just kind of like I was doing consulting. And then I went uh, to grad school and ended up back in tech working at, it's funny to like be out of the bubble of that now. But I was at like a hot unicorn startup with like all the free snacks and like, you know, catered yeah. meals and organic avocados and like an espresso mm-hmm. machine. But I was having all these health issues. And so it was really like my body saying like, hey, you've been like pushing really hard and this isn't actually what you want to do, you know? Yeah, it's not. And it wasn't a sustainable lifestyle for you to be no. pushing so hard. You know, those organic avocados and those espresso <laughs> machines, sometimes they just don't do it. Yeah, exactly. I feel you. I worked in tech sales for a yeah. little bit. And yeah. then I was like, I've got to go. This mm. is not fulfilling me mm. at all. So were you good at it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people get stuck because like, you know, they're good at it and the perks are great. So it's great that you're like, no, I, this isn't what I want. I definitely had a breaking point. I worked at this tech sales company here in Austin when I moved back from Madrid and those two lifestyles were pretty oh opposite. It's like total whiplash. Yeah. I, you know, I went from shedding around Europe and teaching and kind of developing my own schedule to moving back home, working in high volume sales, working through the weekend, working to hit sales goals, what, 60 hours a week or more maybe, you know, and 
There's also like the after work happy hours. So you're really drinking the Kool-Aid and you're in it. And I was good at it. And I had been asking them to move me in departments. I really wanted to be in marketing. And they were like, no, basically, because they're not going to take somebody that's good on the sales floor. Yeah, totally. And put them in marketing. I will say, though, if it's a good company, they will, because they would rather do that than lose you. So it kind of... Right. But (laughs) I ended up getting trapped on the sales floor. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting time. I definitely... It wasn't my best time. I like to call those my dark days because I wasn't happy at all. And it's weird looking back on it though and seeing all of the things that experience did teach me. However, so not for me. And I remember my breaking point was at the end of the year. So I started right in the beginning of, I want to say 2016. And they have unlimited vacation, right? But mm. no, no one's taking unlimited vacation because then if you're not there to call anybody, you don't make you it's don't your sales for, numbers. Yeah, it's really different for sales. So I was like, can't take any of that. Can't really take time off because I won't hit my numbers, yada, yada. At the end of the year, though, they give everybody two weeks off. Mm. By the end of the year, I was super burnt out. So burnt out. I mean, I'm talking on the phone from eight to five, even later than that almost dialing 200 people a day. That's insane. If I wasn't on the phone for a really long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I've I've done a little bit of sales. And I think the most I did was like 80 or 90 calls a day. But I mean, I was terrible at it. So oh, I could hit 200 (laughs) in a day. You know, if you don't get somebody on the phone, I guess if you you don't dialer. Yeah, you're just like, going, going, going. And it's like, if you don't get someone on a a phone call and, and talk to them for a long period, and it's a short sale. So you call them, and you're expected to close the sale in an hour, right? So it's the end of the year. And it was also my birthday's at the end of the year. So it was my cousins. And we book a trip to Cuba, which is amazing because in Cuba, they don't have any internet. <laughs> so I was like, good, bye. And I just totally zoned out, was off the grid. I got back and my PTO had rolled over. I took more PTO when I got back because I wasn't ready. And I think I lasted a good two weeks trying not to cry every time I walked into the office because I was like, could not want to be here less. Truly. (laughs) And finally, I went and saw the VP or the director of sales at the time. We were like putting cream cheese on a bagel. And I looked at him and I go, I quit. (laughs) And I just like all I said, (laughs) because I had been telling them, I was like, telling my managers and telling them that I was unhappy and that like I wanted to do something else and and they could tell because I was just like I mean that's like majorly their bad though you know I went from like, being the fact really that you motivated had to quit to over not. a bagel like, you know it's like I, I remember sitting in the kitchen being like oh my gosh I'm sorry I have to quit no you shouldn't <laughs> be sorry they should have done something I don't know well, I mean it all like, works out the way it should but they're like you could stay until you find a job and I was like you're like, I would actually rather not. <laughs> so they're like, I don't think you should quit if you don't have a job yet. And I was like, well, that's the thing. Other people will tell you what they think is right for their fears. Right. But only, you know, how shitty it feels in your body when you're forcing yourself to be there every day and like crying. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I had to, I would walk <sighs> from my house to the office for like, it's like maybe a 45 minute walk and blast music 
to put me in a good mood by the time I got there so that I could be like prepared to be on the phone for such a long period of time. It's just totally draining. But yes, long story to say that I totally understand that feeling of, whoa, I've got to get out of here. Something has to change. This isn't what I want anymore. And I think it's really important that women of color, people of color can have access and understanding to these types of frameworks because it's not just for white people. It is for everyone to learn and understand themselves better. And it can help guide you into the places that you're meant to be in, right? Like just like what you mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, if I had only known that I didn't have to press so hard about this thing, I could have maybe let go a little bit of that stress. And it's, it's one of those things that's it's easy to say when you have hindsight 2020, right? But still, allowing yourself to have some sort of guidance or framework, I feel like is always helpful. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to have you on to talk about human design. So I know that we've had quite a long intro, but I would love to dive into it and have you just explain to us what human design is and how people can use it. I know we're going to use me as an example, but I'll let you lead this. Yeah, amazing. And just to add to the piece around using this as a framework and how it can be especially relevant to women of color, I think, because when you were asking this question, what I reflected back on was, especially as women of color, I think it's like, for me, at least I'll speak on my experience. It's like, I'm used to only showing a certain part of myself or like changing like certain behaviors to kind of like blend in and So it's kind of like we're master, I'm a a master of kind of like transitioning in different spaces and being different people as it Mm -hmm. is like safe or relevant to do so. But I think we all deserve to be our most true and authentic selves. And so this is kind of like a map back to that. Oh, yeah, I love it. Okay, cool. So with that, I think I already touched on human design as a framework to find more flow, to tune into your unique sense of intuition Mm -hmm. and decision making. So that let's start there. And Perfect. the foundational thing to know is what energy type you are in human design. That is like, yeah, it's just kind of upon which everything is built. And like, if you only master one thing or understand one thing, it would be this. And so there are five different types in human design. So you're going to go to, you know, there's a bunch of free places to get your free chart online and we can link it in the notes. And then you put in your birthday time and then it'll say what type you are. So there are three types that are considered energy types. And those are a manifester, a generator, and a manifesting generator. And so, Christina, you're, I think you're a generator, and you fall into this category of being an energy type. So the thing that generators, MGs, and manifestors all have in common is that when you're doing something you like, it creates more energy within you. It's like when you're, you know planning the event that you're so excited by, or you're like working on the podcast, like you could do it and forget to take a break because you're just like, this is awesome. Right. And you, Mm. yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, I think about it as this inner fire. And like, when you're doing Mm -hmm. something you love, it's like putting logs on the fire and you're getting more stoked about it versus if you're doing something you don't like, it's like, not only are you not feeding your fire, but you're like throwing the wrong stuff on the fire. So what Mm. happens is you feel really frustrated, right? And this is specifically, I'm talking about generators and manifesting generators, because those are the two energy types that have a defined sacral center. So what that means is when you look at your chart, Christina, you'll see you have a red square towards the bottom. Okay, got it. And that square represents the 
sacral center. So if you're familiar with yoga, it's like that second chakra energy of life force, right? Mm. So it's like the energy that causes like a seed to sprout and like the, you know, a flower to bloom and it's sensuality, it's sexuality, it's creation. It's literally what powers life, right? So 70% of the population has a defined sacral center, which mm-hmm. means that you are always emitting this energy. And there are other people, another roughly 30% of the population that doesn't have this defined, which means they're open. And you can kind of think about it like you're either sending out signal or you're receiving signal, right? So okay. 30% of the population, they don't have this, which means when they work with you, they'll feed off of your energy. They'll amplify it. Like you might be in a group and some people, when they're around you, they'll be like more productive, more efficient. You, you literally lift them up with your excitement. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And now I can see your brain starting to think about like all the different people that you work with. And this is why like human design can be so transformative for any kind of relationship too, right? The people in your family, mm-hmm. your partner, your work relationships. Cause it's like, okay, now how do our energies feed off of each other? Right. Yeah. And the energetic purpose of generators and manifesting generators is really mm-hmm. to basically as much as you can do what lights you up because that builds this sacral energy. And because you get a sacral center, you're really here to lift everyone up with your stoke essentially. Oh, this is very interesting. I took the DISC assessment, another work test that talks about how you communicate in a team and how you are at work. And that is a big part of my DISC assessment. <laughs> so yes, everything is interrelated. That's really yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh, I love this. So this makes me so excited. I know. And so then the other energy type manifestors, they have a slightly different energetic purpose. When you think about like the classic definition of like what it is to manifest, it's like bringing something into being, right? Mm -hmm. And so manifestors have energy connected to their throat center. So for you, I think it's empty. So you obviously don't have the that manifestor equality. But for someone who is a manifestor, they can literally speak something and it happens, right? So like, historically, manifestors were the kings and queens, the army leaders, it's like, they would say, like, I want a pyramid and like, it happens, right? Mm, And so they're not necessarily the ones that are doing the work of it. But it's that they provide the spark for everybody, the rest of the tribe, the society, the collective to join in on their movement or not. So manifestors are often, they kind of have like a very big energy in the sense that they have a very unique thing that they're here to do. So famous Mm -hmm. manifestors have been like JK Rowling or like Frida Kahlo, right? Where it's like, they're kind of divisive. Some people think Frida Kahlo's art is awesome. And other people think she like has an ugly unibrow, whatever, right? (laughs) It's like some people are going to join in and other people aren't, but that's fine. Manifestors are here to really kind of energetically lead the movement that they want to lead. And so like, even with just the three energy types we've talked about, you start to see like, For a manifester, it's really correct for them to just go out and do something because that is, again, they're the only ones and they're less than 10% of the population, but they're the only ones in human design where it's right to go out and push and just make something happen, right? But everybody else, they actually need to wait for something to happen first. For you as a generator, you want to wait until you have a gut response where you feel excited before you act. Mm. And same thing with MGs. And then I'll get to the other two types in a second, but... Yeah, it's just really like, it's such a reframe, right? Because we were, we're all told yeah. like, oh, yeah, you like, if you want something like hustle, go out, make it happen. But I think we've all had this experience where 
you know, you're pushing to like finish a project or do something and it's like such a struggle, but you just like, you make it happen. And like, technically like you did it, but it didn't feel great. Or it was just like very challenging. Yeah. And like, that's the difference when we're working in alignment with our energy versus not. And so like as a generator to go into like a specific example for you, let's say, because there's always like a high vibe way of doing something in a low vibe way. Right. And let's say like you wanted to move somewhere because you weren't happy with where you're living as a generator, you're going to have the most energy when you go and do that from a place of excitement, right? Cause you're using that sacral energy versus if you were like, Hey, I don't like where I live, but you start to get like kind of frantic about it. And you're like, okay, I have to like go on Craigslist every day and I have to like reach out to everyone. and need to make all these lists. And like, you're trying to control the process. It's like that really grabby energy mm-hmm. and your body actually isn't excited by it. It's like, you're misusing your energy. You're not actually creating more of that inner fire. You are just kind of using sheer force to push something through. Oh yeah. Honestly, if something presents itself to me and I'm not excited about it, I won't really do it. That's amazing. No. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so correct for you. And this is the thing that like, we all have kind of conditioning that we need to work through. And it's so, I love hearing you say that, but I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are like, well, but if, you know, somebody in my family expects me to do something, like I don't want to be rude or I don't want to be like ungrateful. Like I need to just force myself to do it. Right. And so if they're a generator or an MG, it's a really, I mean, everyone, but specifically for this energy type, I want to propose that there is a healthy way to own what's in alignment for you and what's best for you, truly best for you is also going to be the highest and best for everyone else, right? So maybe it's saying like, hey, I can't help you move, like I've got a lot going on, but you know, wishing you the best and like, let me know if I can help you unpack in a few days when I'm less busy or something like that. Right. Yeah, I like that reframe. Yeah, because yes. again, it's like if you have the sacral energy, your purpose is to share from your higher overflowing cup, right? So mm-hmm. if you're actually dampening that energy by forcing yourself to do things you don't want to do, you don't have much to share. And that's actually being selfish, right? Because you're too scared to stand up for what you feel like is in alignment for you. Mm, ooh, I like this. Sorry, my wheels are turning as yeah. you talk. So I'm like, what are you does thinking it bring about any stuff? situations? Yeah, you know, it just reminds me of of any time that I get asked either to do something or someone wants to do this, this, or this, whatever request or opportunity. And honestly, if I don't feel excited about it, I have a very, very hard time doing it. And it makes me really cranky <laughs> to do that. So I'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. Or, or like I get really frustrated, which I know that you were saying that frustration is also was it yeah it's called the not self in human design but it's basically like the emotion or feeling that you'll have when you're out of alignment with your energy type like it just won't feel good and frustration it's like imagine all that energy within you that you're just like squashing down like Mm -hmm. it's gonna get frustrated that's like frustration is and it's one of the feelings that I always say I'm like I'm not mad I'm just frustrated Mm. frustrated by this this is you're frustrating me Mm-hmm. Because if it's if I'm not feeling it, then that's my initial reaction. I'm not usually mad or upset. I'm mostly frustrated, mm-hmm. which I think is really funny. And then also when I am feeling really excited by something or I'm like in a groove, I feel the energy like flowing a lot. And it's that idea of abundance, right? It's like when I'm feeling all of that abundant energy, I feel like I can give that out mm-hmm. to people. Completely. 
Yeah. Cool. And okay, it's funny yeah. you say that like you don't get mad because the not self theme of the manifester is actually anger, right? Because they, the manifestor is supposed to do whatever the hell they want and their strategy. So your strategy is like the way you want to share your gifts with the world. Their strategy is to inform. They just need to do what they want and own it, but they also need to make sure to tell people so that the right people can join in on their cause, movement, whatever. When they make themselves small, when they just go along with what everybody wants, when they don't own their desires, they get angry about it, right? Because there's this part of them that's like, well, this isn't really what I want to do, like, you know, but they Mm -hmm. did it anyway. And then it's anger at other people, it's anger at yourself, right? So it's not a bad thing to feel the not self. It's just an opportunity to reflect like, okay, there's obviously something about this that isn't working. What am I learning right now? What can I change? What can I do differently next time? Oh, very cool. I'm about yeah. to human design all of my friends <laughs> and my husband. <laughs> yeah. So those are the three energy types. And then there's two other types that are non-energy types. And so what that means is they don't have, well, it means that when they're doing something they love, they still need to take rest and they still need to take breaks. And the first non-energy type is a projector. And so I mentioned that I'm a projector as well. And a common thing that a lot of projectors will feel is like, they kind of feel like they're trying to keep up with everyone else because most of the world is a generator and MG and they have this sacral energy, which is very much like this battery, right? You have this full tank and you can go all day and it's like very consistent. Projectors, they have an open sacral. So they're going to be in a group of people and they're going to be able to amplify that energy, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. which is fine, but you can't stay there. So they also need to have time alone to retreat it's actually really good for projectors to even sleep alone sometimes because it's like you're just in your own energy and you can come back to like mm, I've heard that. yeah and it's not something to like stress out about right because it's not a system to like give you more rules but it's just if it feels good something to consider and because they can see because they tend to be more open in their charts and they can thus really feel other people's energy so much they tend to be able to really see something in a unique way to help guide energy to make it more efficient. So it could literally be any topic. Like you could be a scientist and see a great way of like designing a new, you know, gadget, or you could mm-hmm. be an artist with a totally new way of bringing art into the world or, you know, any other kind of system because they actually have less energy in some way. So they're meant to really quickly get things. That's like the gift slash, like the thing that they work with. Right. Got it. That said, it's really unattractive if someone is just standing there, like telling you how to do everything and how to fix all your problems. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what are you telling me? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't need this right now. So the projector's strategy is to wait for the invitation. There's a lot of subtlety to that statement because I think a lot of people hear it and they're like, okay, so I just like, don't do anything until someone literally asks me to No, that's not what it means. It can mean that, but invitations are really just, making sure that somebody has the space to receive your gifts, right? So you could have a relationship with someone and you know that they always want to hear what you have to say. So you have an invitation there, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're interested in a job and nobody invited you to apply, but you apply. And in the interview process, people see how amazing you are and they truly appreciate and recognize all of your skills. You're being seen there, right? And so it is a good place because your energy is going to be used appropriately versus like you're throwing your energy at something and like, it's not, nothing's happening. You're like hitting a wall. It's like mm-hmm. not being received by the other person. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking in my life, like who do I know that's a projector? Yeah. Yeah. And they say projectors, I mean, in like kind of the classic 
texts or whatever that they should really only be working like three to four hours a day, which is like so different from yeah, your face. Yeah. I mean, and so different from how I was living too, right? Yeah. And it's not that like you just sit around and do nothing, but it's like for them cultivating their sense of or our sense of beingness of like who I am, the container that I can hold for other people as a guide is, you know, we don't call it work, but it's like part of what allows them to be so effective in the few hours that they are on, right? So it's a really different way of thinking about work, not so much as productivity, but like, what am I cultivating to be able to share my gifts when I do? Oh, okay. Yeah. And I hope everyone is rushing to go do their chart right now so they can figure out which one of these they are. Totally. (laughs) And then the last type is the most rare. They're called reflectors and they're about 1% of the population And their job, their energetic purpose is to really reflect back to everyone else, the 99% of us, how we're doing. Because if you look at a reflector's chart, nothing is filled in. There's no centers colored in, which means that every energetic part of their body, they can actually feel into all the people around them, right? And so they deeply, if they're hanging out with someone, it's like they can feel like they're totally like one identity in one moment, and then they're in a different group, and they feel like such a different kind of person in another moment, right? Mm. And all of those experiences inform the reflector so that when he or she talks about like, hey, this is what's going on with me, or this is how I'm feeling, they're really speaking on behalf of us, you know? Oh, wow. And so that's the most rare is a yeah. reflector. It's the most rare because like we don't need that. It's like everything shows up in the exact proportions that we need as a group to evolve. So we don't need everybody to be open to tell us you know, about ourselves. Right? We just need a little bit of that. And, <laughs> and when I, I think, don't need everybody to tell me how I am. Yeah, exactly. It's like they can speak on behalf of a tribe around, you know, whatever. It's like one for every hundred people, right, would be the, the ratio there. Okay. For some reason, I'm really envisioning Rafiki from The Lion King. Would he be a reflector? Ooh, you, the monkey with the thing, right? Yeah. Maybe. I, I'm trying to remember, like, what does he do he, like, in the shows movie? <laughs> Simba, like, this is who you are. You know, like that mm. that scene where he, like, comes to him and he, like, follows him around. Sorry, that's the scene that yeah, maybe. I'm imagining. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's not You're a definite. Like, Shit, now I got to go. I got to go look at it now. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I got to go watch the Lion King. But I could definitely see that being a possibility. <laughs> Okay, that's how I'm envisioning it. I don't know why that's the person that popped into my head. Big thank you to Boss Babes ATX for sponsoring season one of the In Bold Company podcast. So you guys, I love this nonprofit so much because they have been so supportive of In Bold Company since the very, very beginning and especially with producing this podcast. So not only have they supported me, but each year they educate and connect 1,500 plus emerging women and non-binary creatives, entrepreneurs, and leaders through their different programs with 20,000 plus community members per year attending their programs. I mean, honestly, that's like a mouthful for me to say, but they do such a great job. And we all know that being an entrepreneur, creative, human trying to do things is super hard without access to resources and community. In May 2020, Boss Babes ATX will be introducing their first ever membership. So this is for women and non-binary leaders seeking personal and professional development. The membership tiers will be anywhere from $5 to $50 a month, 
and it will include access to Boss Babes ATX personal resource guides to intimate networking and trainings with other thought leaders and mentors in the community. So to learn more about Boss Babes ATX programs and their memberships, head to bossbabes.org and you can use the code IMBOLD2020 for 10% off anything in their shop, their membership when it launches, and all ticketed Boss Babes ATX events for 2020. You can support them while supporting us. Thank you so much, Boss Babes ATX. Okay, I have a question for you. What happens if you don't have your birth date? I feel like this happens for a lot of people. So there's a few things. One, knowing your birth time to the minute is important for your human design chart because parts Mm -hmm. of the chart can literally change from minute to minute. That said, not all is lost if you don't have your birth time. So a lot of people, they're like, oh, I know it's like within a time range. Like my mom can't remember exactly, but it was like 2 to 2.30 or something, right? Mm -hmm. And you can put in your chart between those time ranges and look at them and compare. And either it'll be the same which is great, or it'll change a little bit. Like the things that are most likely to change quickly are the arrows. So if those change, but like everything else is the same, you can get kind of like an 80-20 on your chart. Okay. You can kind of guesstimate then. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you go that route, so let's say you, you don't know, you can't call the hospital. Like, so birth certificate would be a place to check. If it's not, some states don't put the time on the birth certificate. So you could try the hospital might not be the best time now to call the hospital. So then you're going to play around with the times. If you do that, and you see parts of your chart that don't resonate, it could also just remember that you know, you're playing with the time. So to keep that in mind. And then if you really, really want to work with someone, there are some people who, I forget exactly, they'll basically like, energetically work with you tap into their spirit guides and so forth to help you identify your birth time. I haven't personally done this, so I can't speak to the accuracy, but some people do it and they find it really helpful. So that's the last option. Okay, cool. I just remembered that. Yeah, it's a good one. I know people will be like, but I don't have my birth certificate and or there's not a time on my birth certificate or, yeah. or whatever. And so, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. It really just depends on like how things are moving that day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So then once you know your energy type, then like, where should you go from here? Yeah. So knowing your energy type, and also corresponds with knowing your strategy, right? So again, as a manifester, it's to inform people as a generator or a manifesting generator, it's to respond from your gut and only go after the things that light you up. As a projector, it's to wait for the invitation before you share things. And then I think I forgot to mention this for reflectors, because they're so open to the environment and affected by things, they actually want to wait a full lunar cycle before making any big decisions. That's their strategy. Yeah. Love it. And when I say lunar being, right, it's like everybody else, what do you think about the sun versus the moon, right? Everyone else is emitting some kind of energy, right? They're literally giving Mm -hmm. something off versus for the reflector, they're totally open. So they're reflecting back out the energy of whatever's in the environment around them, literally like the sun and the moon, right? So mm-hmm. with that said, because they're so sensitive, the lunar cycle and the environment also has a role in how they're going to feel over that course of time. So obviously mm-hmm. you can't use this strategy for the small decisions in life, but for anything big, like a big you know work opportunity or a move or whatever, to really wait and kind of sample how they feel over that cycle is going to be helpful because that time will give them clarity on how they really feel. Okay. Yeah. 
So you're going to take your strategy and you're going to try to like apply it and practice it. Right. So mm-hmm. as a projector, it's like, if you're in a situation, let's say you're like at a dinner party and everyone's talking about some topic and you're like, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but it doesn't yeah. feel like people are really going to listen to you. Maybe it's like people you don't know that well, then practice just like keeping it for yourself. And I know it's like so uncomfortable as a projector, but it's like part of you really wants to be seen. But if you sense that environment is not going to recognize you, it's okay to like hold back, you know, for the generator MG, like for you, it's like, you're saying that you already don't do things you don't want to do, which is fantastic. That's like the number one place to start. Because if you're saying yes to things you don't really want to do, I always think of Marie Kondo for this. It's like, but in the energetic sense, it's like your space is clogged up with all the stuff you don't want to do. So something you do want to do that you're really excited about cannot find you, right? So you got to say no to some things and be okay with nothingness, which is hard for everybody, right? Are you okay with, because you have a lot of energy, are you okay with having a free afternoon where it feels like you maybe aren't doing a bunch of stuff, you're not being productive? Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> I'm like, leave me here. Yeah. Honestly, people ask me, I enjoy, I, I'm sorry for people that are struggling during quarantine. I've been really enjoying it i think a lot of people have been because we're all so busy i know i'm like i like being home yeah i'm really sorry yeah (laughs) i feel like for me i'm always going and going 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 and just the ability to like be at home and binge watch tv with jurgen just watch ozark for as long as i want it is truly such a gift that's so good and i will also say like that too is also doing what you want, right? Because it's like, you don't want to go out and like be running around and all these other things. So like, it's such a balance. So after knowing that, then there's Mm -hmm. another foundational piece, which is what is your authority? And authority is, it's like the voice of your intuition. And guess what? It's different for different people, right? So for you, Christina, it's going to be your sacral center because it's actually the, it's kind of like the strongest energy within you. So your intuition is like, how does your gut feel about it? That's what you want to ask yourself when you're thinking about like what you want to eat, right? It's like, well, there's a few things that I have to say here. One is that the sacral center is, it doesn't speak in sentences, right? It's just like this energy and it's quite Mm -hmm. like primal. So giving yourself options whenever you're trying to make a decision can be really helpful because then you can react from a yes or a no, or a sense of expansion or contraction. So it's like food or like even getting dressed in the morning. I know one generator who's like, yeah, I just like put out a couple options and I just like see which one I move toward. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Because it's like, it can be a lot of pressure to just invent something from scratch, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. and when you do that, it's like, well, then you're kind of forcing your mind to respond versus this wiser part of your body. So do all generators have their authority be sacral? No. No. So some okay, people, so that depends person to person. Yeah, exactly. So if you're a generator and MG, but you have your emotional center filled out, then you will be an emotional authority. So the emotional authority is, it's kind of like this extra layer where if you have a defined emotional center, you're essentially always emitting an energetic energy or an emotional energy, excuse me. So Some days you'll feel really great and on an emotional high. Some days it'll just naturally be lower because that energy is always just kind of going, right? And it's not something to take personally is like the big thing, right? If we think about emotion as just energy in motion, energy in our body, then there's nothing wrong with being a little sad. We don't need to like force ourselves to cheer up, you know, Mm -hmm. nor do we have to like 
always be happy. And that's really something for the emotionally defined person to learn is it's okay to go through your cycles. That said, because you do have cycles, the emotional person is going to want to wait for emotional clarity and kind of check in with their gut if they're a generator in MG about how they feel about something over time. So the difference between the two is like for you, it's called a pure generator. So you just have the sacral. You'll know in that instant because your emotional state on your own is just calm, cool, and collected. You're not generating any emotional energy, right? So you're kind of already in that neutral place, unless, of course, something happened and you're feeling some specific emotions versus the emotional person. They are always on this wave. So they're going to want to give themselves time to Mm. respond about something. So it's like, if they get invited to like a trip, it's saying like, oh, that sounds so fun. Let me get back to you in a few days to give themselves some time to think about it. Or like, let me get back to you. Let me sleep on it. All super important for them. Like being spontaneous is tricky if you're on a wave, right? Because it's like- Okay, yeah. Because you're like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this in three days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's different kinds of waves. So this is where it's helpful to get a reading done because it's going to be different for different people. Maybe you have- a more cyclical wave. Maybe you have this like erratic wave, right? So knowing mm-hmm. that about yourself can be helpful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's other authorities as well. So then we talked about emotional, sacral, splenic is another one. So we talked about the spleen earlier with the like the center where all the fears are, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also the center for instinct because instinctively we knew how to survive, right? So it's like I like to describe like if you think about how does like a fish know to like swim or because how does a salmon know to swim up river or how do like birds know how to migrate or whatever they just know that's the splenic instinct so people with a splenic center when they make decisions about hey is this right for me or not part of them is just going to know but it's not like a mental knowing it's like a a deeper sort of like nervous system knowing mm, okay yeah got it and then there's one more there's a few more so let me think there's also oh, okay. being an ego-driven person. Um, so if your heart center is defined, these are getting less less and less common as I go. So yeah, so for them, it's all about really like what motivates you to success, essentially. Mm-hmm. There's what's called self-projected, where I think this is what Katie Dalebow is actually, where they have, it's just the, the identity center and the throat connected. And so they don't know how they feel about something until they actually speak their truth. It's like they need to get it out. So talking to people that feels very fitting for Katie. Exactly. I know it, like, <laughs> it actually completely is. So it's like, you want to talk to people, but you don't want to listen to their advice. Cause it's not about getting other people's advice. It's literally the process of formulating thoughts into that linear like sentence that allows them to get clarity. And then there's also mental authority. So this is only going to be projectors now where it's only their head centers filled out. And for them, it's about coming to a place of like, logical clarity and this one is tricky because it's like what's the neutral logical clarity versus like the mind spitting out on like anxiety and whatever but that one's quite rare and so you know I have conversations with people about that when I go into their charts but that's like kind of enough of an overview I think so when you're looking at your authority Mm -hmm. is that how you should be like guiding your decision making exactly so let's say that is okay yeah just want to clarify totally so for me, I have a splenic authority. And if I'm thinking about like, where do I want to move? And I just saw like three different places, right? And they all looked like fine. And like, my brain could list out all the reasons on paper why one place would be better than another. Like, this one has a shorter commute, that one has a nicer yard, whatever, right? But to tap into my splenic authority, I would maybe sit and just kind of meditate on it and then allow 
like the subconscious part of me to come through with like, oh no, it's place number three. And maybe I don't even know why. Like I don't have a logical reason, but just part of me felt like, hey, I felt better there, you know? Okay, cool. No, I love that. Yeah. But for you, as a sacral, it's like, maybe we use the same example, right? Like you went and you saw three places on where to move and you felt in your body in that moment, place number two was it. Like you just felt it. You're like, yeah, like, you know, you can feel the excitement running through your body. Um, Maybe you're like, even like running around faster, like looking in all the rooms and the other places. And then the other two places, like you're physically, your body is less excited. So it's like, maybe you're kind of bored, you feel kind of tired, you're like, leaning on you know the wall waiting for other people to finish up you know who knows like it could look so many different ways but your body will tell you in some way so for people that have their authority as the sacral authority is theirs really connected to understanding and knowing their body because I feel like we've mentioned that a little bit and I was like this is a great question so it can be but it doesn't have to be if you look at like when I, a lot of human design language talks about the sacral response as a bodily response because it's, it's like life energy, right? But I also mm-hmm. know people, I've worked with people who, who have a sacral center, but maybe they've gone through trauma or they have trouble connecting with their bodies. There's numbness so and so forth. Or I've even talked to some people who are very embodied, but they're just like the whole like gut thing. Like I don't resonate with that language. So to all of those people, I would say it's just what feels right. Like think about a time when you just knew something was totally right for you. It worked out so well. How did that moment feel? And like, maybe it's not like in your body so much, but there's just a part of you that like recognizes it. Right. And it's not in your mind. It's not a thinking thing, but it's just like, yep, this is it. That certainty. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I was like, I feel like I'm resonating with what you're saying. So I was like, okay. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's a good like inclusivity question, which is like, what if you have trouble connecting to your body? Right. And you can start with what feels right. What were the moments in the past that help you identify that, right? Your own history and patterning. And then also like simultaneously, because we're talking about like the whole kind of like healing journey, getting connected to your body is also just, it can be like a really healthy practice, right? And a way to heal. So on the chart, which I'm looking at my chart right now with you. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about the types. We've talked about strategy. We've talked about authority. Mm -hmm. What else is something that you feel like is really important if they're going to pull up their chart? Yeah. So profile, we touched on profile before. I think it's actually really helpful to know about yourself because it kind of gets at like purpose and how you're going to embody your purpose, right? The gates and channels are really helpful to look at. And if you're curious, you can kind of like look those up or you can work with a reader and those will get at like, what are your natural skills? So if you want like career clarity, that can be a really good place to go. And then the rest of it is kind of intuitive, right? It's like, I like to look at like, which centers do you have defined? Cause that, those are the parts of you where you're really here to share that energy. And then mm-hmm. what parts of you are white. And that's really where you're here to sample all the different experiences. So like for you, Christina, your, your emotional center is open. So that means that you're really here to when you're around other people, feel their emotions, kind of get a little bit of a taste to really understand and accept like the full range, right? Okay. So if you're looking at it, when you say defined, Mm -hmm. it's anything that has a color in it. Exactly. Okay. Because I was like, this one has a color and it's brown and the other one's red and the other one's yellow. Yeah. The different colors are just, that's just how it is. (laughs) Okay. Got Um, it. So there was a few things I wanted to say about your chart. So profile, like I mentioned, it comes from the decimal points at the top two gates. So for you, it's like you see the 58.2. And 
And then the um, 18.4, it's the 0.2 and the 0.4 that make up your profile. So you're a 2.4. And for you, there's one part of you that is just naturally good at something and like kind of likes to have alone time to just to like work on your stuff. Like you could just get lost in it, right? And like being <laughs> like, and if you're working on something you're really into, it's like being interrupted can like be really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe you know this about yourself. Yeah. So the two, it's like part of you be happy just doing your own thing all day. And yet, like you're here to share that thing that you're naturally good at. So there's also this dynamic where having other people say like, hey, you're so great at that. Or like, wow, I love the way you have this unique way of doing things can be really like really fulfilling. Like when I think about reparenting myself, sometimes I think about like the profile lines and like what they really needed. Mm. So that's one thing. It's like, were you recognized for, for that growing up? whatever thing you were into. And the fourth line is all being about a relationships person. So it's like, you really want to make sure that the people that you spend your time with mm-hmm. are people who like see you and love you for who you really are. And there's part of you that like, you want your friends to be your family and your family to like, you know, feel like really good friendships as well. And the quality mm-hmm. of your relationships is so important because your best opportunities will come to you through these close relationships. It's not so much like the random stranger it's about like the people that are immediately around you. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. There's a few different podcast hosts that I've read for that all have fourth lines. So there's something about like podcasting and creating a community that I feel like it's just something that I've seen. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. That makes you feel in alignment. Yeah. And that makes me happy. <laughs> exactly. And there is this kind of natural tension too, right? Because like there's a part of you that wants to be alone, but there's another part of you that wants to be out with like people that see you. And so it's learning how to balance those two and, you know, like reframing. Maybe when you're alone, you're feeling like your community isn't really seeing you and be like, it's okay. Like I just got to like go out there, right? And like allow yourself to really be seen there. But if you're feeling Mm -hmm. kind of like exhausted and overwhelmed by that, also being like, hey, there's nothing wrong with me if I want to retreat either. Okay. Wow, I can't wait to reflect on this after. Yeah. So on my chart, what else do you see that? Yeah. I know you said you mentioned a couple of things that you felt like were important. Yeah. I was like, I want people to get a taste of also what happens when they go get a reading with somebody. Totally. Because I'm super into this. Yeah. So for you, there's something called the incarnation cross, which is, it's basically the four most important gates in your chart. And Mm -hmm. Each gate is going to be a different skill, right? And they come together kind of in this unique purpose. And so for you, there's part of you that's really good at like spotting what needs to be corrected and not in like a nitpicky way, because I think people hear that and they're like, oh no, I'm so negative. But no, it's because you actually think life is so amazing and awesome. It's like you see, you just have a sense of how precious life is and then you want to make things better for that purpose. And so wherever you go, you're going to have this ability to point out how things could be better, essentially, and you do it out of a place of service. So if you're thinking now, like, to reflect on like, where in work, where in like relationships, you're like, kind of pointing things out. And it's like, knowing that this is something that you can share with people. And like, that's your gift to them is just something to recognize yourself for. Because there's a lot of gifts in the chart where like, we don't think of them as like, oh, you know, this is like a skill, like a hard skill that you take into your career. But it is important because other people don't have this. Mm, okay okay yeah it's like yeah that's resonating with me too yeah so that's something to think about it's like you bring this energy into wherever you go right into even when you're like just around the house and like trying to fix something up or whatever 
So we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, you have gate one and that newness, right? And whenever mm-hmm. I see this, I really want to remind people that you have have this part of you because there's this energy of like, you're here to create new things to share with the world, right? That's like how things start. And so to really honor that part of you, that's like wanting to share this energy because if you don't, it's like, you're kind of like, you know, you're keeping yourself small in this way. And it's actually for you in red, which means that it's unconscious is what it's called. So it's like, you're less aware of it. So anything in red is considered something that is, it corresponds to 88 days before your birthday. It's like more subtle to you. You're like other people see it, but you might not. Okay. So is it something that like you wouldn't like notice about yourself? Yeah. Unless pointed out to you perhaps. Exactly. I mean, the more, exactly. The more work you do, the more you know yourself, right? So eventually kind of, you know, all of it, but it's like, if you are just starting out, sometimes I tell people some of their red gates and they're like, oh, huh. Okay. You know? Yeah. They're like, oh, okay. I'll keep that in mind. Right. Exactly. Or they think about it and then like, you know, weeks or months later, they're like, oh yeah, I guess that is true, you know, but it doesn't, they don't know it at the time. The other thing that is actually really interesting about your chart is if you look at the bottom square, it's called the root center. And so that one corresponds with, it's like adrenal pressure. It's the pressure to basically like exist, right? So before we even get to that sacral energy of like life, it's like just like wanting to make it happen. And so you actually have almost all, you have what, what is that? Eight of the nine gates on your root center all turned on. So it's like, there's a part of you that is just like really wants to like, get stuff done, right? It's like, it might be hard for you to like sit still even because like these are all these different gates are pressures to do things. It's like the pressure to, like I mentioned before, to perfect something. It's drive to provide for yourself. It's wanting to just like start something. It's wanting to provoke people. Like one of these gates is about being like a light warrior. It's like you might Mm -hmm. kind of like provoke people sometimes, but it's to provoke them into consciousness. And so like sometimes when you, yeah, so sometimes when you, Maybe you're just like being yourself when you're bringing up the hard topics of the conversations you want to bring up when you're bringing awareness to something that, you know, it's like if someone was kind of just like lazy and complacent and comfortable, they're like, oh, that was like a lot. But to know that actually that's your job and to not feel bad about it, you know? Wait, is that for me specifically? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's the, that's the pressure to, <laughs> like, um, oh, really? it's like this kind of like provoking bit, right? So I guess like all to just bring it back, it's like there's so much of your energy that wants to start and do and create right and to know that sometimes there's a few things one is like you have all this energy to start but then you see how like it doesn't necessarily connect to the other centers so Mm -hmm. know that it's enough for you to just bring this energy of starting things and you don't have to finish everything you don't have to do everything you feel moved to do sometimes it could just be someone needs to be around you because you actually bridge one of like they have the partner gate and they can be around you and get a great idea and then feel motivated to do something right Or you might feel Mm -hmm. that energy, but you can just let it out. So like for you getting like exercise to kind of like burn through your energy is going to be really helpful. If you're like having trouble sleeping or anything like that, it's like you want to make sure you use up all this natural energy that you have. Wow. (laughs) Thinking a lot right now about myself and understanding. So do each of these numbers correlate with like a word or something like that? It correlates with a hexagram in the I Ching, which also Mm -hmm. is a specific skill or energy that essentially like exists in humanity, right? Because if you start with the one, which is like creating newness, and then you go all the way around and end at 64, the three gates in the head, and I 
get them out of order, but they're all about kind of like reflecting like towards the end of life, right? It's like, what is the inspiration? What is the point of life? Pondering existence. So it's kind of like you trace through all of these different energies. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they each correspond to a specific skill or quality that we bring. Okay. And so like, let's say something goes on here, like on my body graph, which mm-hmm. is where you sent me my chart. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at it, right? And I hover over, let's say, my solar plexus center because it's open. Mm-hmm. And it says, not self-theme. Yeah. Avoiding confrontation and truth. Does yeah. that mean for me? Like if yeah. you were just to like casually yeah. read it. So as I mentioned, like the not self with the energy types, there can be a not self for anything else in human design. It's basically like when we're acting out of alignment, or like kind of in like the low vibe way, right? So with an open emotional center, you pick up other people's emotional energy, right? So if you're Mm -hmm. feeling other people's energy, and it doesn't feel good, you might want to avoid confrontation. So that's where that bit comes in. And so this is where like, a lot of the language in the traditional human design kind of like you'll see there is very like, by the book and correct, but sometimes without a little bit of interpretation, it can be confusing, right? Because like, yeah, you hover over like, um, I forget, I think some of the head ones are sort of funny. It's like, pretending to be certain about something or whatever, right? And you're like, "Mm, do I do that? Do I not do that? I don't know. Is that bad? Yeah, well, I'm just, I've put my chart into a free chart before. And then I looked at it. And I was like, whoa, I have no (laughs) idea what the hell this says. Like, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Right. So like, if I hover over my head center, which is open, Mm -hmm. And my not self theme is thinking about things that don't matter. Yeah. So this is how I would think about it. Anywhere where you're open, you don't want to identify with it because that part of you isn't stable, right? That part of you will change based on who you're with, the environment you're in, and so on and so forth. So if we use the crown, the head center as an example, it's all about inspiration, right? It's like literally things are coming from, you know, wherever the infinite and coming into our heads to think about. So if it's open, then you're going to be able to pick up on what's around you, right? You're going to be inspired if you go to like a museum or you go to, you know, like an art event because you're going to be around other people's inspiration. Mm -hmm. But it also means that you might pick up stuff that other people are thinking about. So that's where the not self is. But I think for each of the centers, the not self theme is maybe not necessarily like super practical, you know what I mean? Mm, Like I think for me, like what I tell people with an open head center is like, okay, what should you do about it, right? The head center, we don't have so much conditioning there. I think most of us are more chill about inspiration. We're like, it's okay. Like, it'll come, you know, with like Elizabeth Gilbert's big magic. It's like, we get that we shouldn't really grasp or try to control our inspiration, right? So Mm -hmm. the thing to really do is like, if you are maybe working in a new creative project, it can be helpful for you to expose yourself to new sources of inspiration. Like it is maybe going to a museum or working somewhere where you can like in a co-working space where you're just like around other people. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like if someone were to go on and look at this, I know that they would probably be like, what is all of this about? Totally. And all of the numbers and the symbols on the side, Mm -hmm. I'm hovering over all of them and they all correspond with astrology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that true? Am I? Yeah. So this is where the astrology part comes in. So there's four systems that human design pulls from and you know eching chakra system kabbalah and then astrology so each of the gates that are in the chart mm-hmm. also come in through a certain planet got it yeah. okay i was like what is going yeah. on it's sort of like um 
maybe like a sister branch of human design, but it's separate called the Gene Keys. And you can buy the book on Amazon. But that system is all about taking the gates of human design and their corresponding planets. And then certain planets will relate to different parts of your life. So I don't know too much about the Gene Keys. Mm -hmm. There are people who go super deep, but like, for example, the gate that's in your Venus would be like the theme that you would focus on for love, for example, within the Gene Keys. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that it was pulling from other frameworks too. Yeah. I mean, it goes goes so deep as you can probably tell, right? Like we've been talking for an hour and it's like, we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. I'm like, so if somebody were to go get a reading from you, for example, how long would you talk to them for? Yeah. So I do an hour because we could go longer, but it's like, I really think you can only take in so much information at a time. And I've had Mm -hmm. readings that are like one and a half, two hours. And by the end, I'm just like, can we hang up now? Like I I literally can't do more. (laughs) So I would rather do, and really like in that first hour, if you're new ish, or like you kind of know, you know, you've done some reading, but now you're like, okay, so what do I actually do about this? Cause that's why I like working with people. It's like, how do you actually apply it? In that first hour, we cover like your energy, how you should use it in work, like how it might be affecting your relationships, the way you think and manifest, what sort of sleep, nutrition, and exercise are good for you. Those are all things that we can get from your chart, as well as obviously like the gates and channels, which are your gifts. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. There's so much information in here. I mean, I personally have like a million and 20, yeah. 5,000 well, questions. I'm, like, I'm curious what's resonated with you so far. Literally everything. <laughs> it's so funny because it's true. Like if, for example, when you were talking about, oh, there's a part of you that if you were super excited about something, you could sit there and do it all day long. And I was like, yeah, I could. Mm-hmm. And you said, if someone were to interrupt you, you would get frustrated. Like, yeah, I do feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the zone. But there's definitely a part of me where I'm like, okay, I have to, I can't be in this all the time because life doesn't work that way. And I have to, you know, eat, spend time with my partner, take my dog out. You know, there's other things, but learning that that is very true for me. I was, I always associated it with being an only child, Mm. with being able to preoccupy myself for long periods of time because I could. I've always been like that. Even when I was little, I would just be like, bye, I could be over here. I'm fine. Like you actually don't have to talk to me at all. (laughs) (laughs) And that was really interesting. This idea about my gut. Yeah. I really thought was interesting. That's not something that I really thought about before is I definitely think I react from my gut, but I've never thought about the importance of my sacral chakra or thought about how that applies to nutrition. Because you said earlier that that coincides yeah, right with, yeah. with your chart can I ask you what yeah that would mean so there's you? a few different pieces to talk about and actually one more thing that I forgot to mention that I wanted to is for your root center and one last gate that I feel like is important to mention is a pressure to create like to be creative so it's like because we already talked about the newness right but there's also mm-hmm. this like, other part of you where there's an energy that wants to create artistically it's like you want to do some kind of like art in the world and so just thinking about that it's like it's like extra showing up in different places Mm, that's funny I've been wanting to buy paint supplies yeah which I haven't painted since I was little so I was like that's great and it's not like you want to do that because you want to master the art it's just literally like relieving that pressure 
to put some sort of art into the world because that's so human, right? Like we all want art. And so it's like to allow yourself that can be really healthy. I just wanted to make sure that I got that one out. And then in terms of food, so we can talk about food for your energy type as a generator, right? And then also specifically, there's an arrow that corresponds to what is the best kind of nutrition for you. So first for your energy type, it all comes back to the sacral for generators. You want to make sure that you're eating things that light you up. Simple as that. It's like every choice you have on what you eat, you can either be mm-hmm. eating that inner fire or you could be forcing yourself to eat the thing because like mentally it's supposed to be healthy. But if you don't actually like it, it's not going to be supportive to your energy, right? Huh. Okay. Now the big caveat, the huge asterisk that I have to draw next to this is it uh-huh. doesn't apply to things that sort of override our biology or condition us so it doesn't apply to sugar doesn't apply to caffeine you know it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> apply to the fun stuff because that actually changes yeah. our physiology right it's like we'll actually get right. to those things so what i mean is like if you don't actually feel excited by the salad then go have the soup you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah got it okay so that's that and also like because generators can be a little heartier right it's like if you're at, you know, a birthday party and like everyone's eating the cake, but you don't actually want it, this is where saying no is just as important. There's a part of me that's like, oh, whatever, I can eat it, it'll be fine. But actually, if you're truly not excited by it, owning the no can be a really like healthy thing to practice. Because another big part about human design is like recognizing we're all different, right? So why do we all have to eat the same thing? Because we're afraid of hurting someone else's feelings? Like, well, what if we just actually allowed each other to all be different? you know? Mm. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So that's kind of the high level on your energy type. And then I'm pulling up, I have like a more detailed software that tells me underneath. So the the upper right hand arrow in the red, it corresponds to mm-hmm. your body. And your brain is a little more like feminine, like so the left is going to be the masculine in human design, and the right is going to be more feminine. And so mm-hmm. for you, you actually don't need to always stick to a schedule. Like it's actually nice for you to kind of like just do what feels good in the moment. Uh, I'm going to have to tell my husband that. Yeah. It's like some people, if their arrow is going to the left, they're going to want to, it doesn't have to be like so strict, but it's like they're going to want like regular food at regular points in time, especially if they're a projector or reflector and manifestor to some extent because they don't have a sacral battery to kind of like store up, you know? Mm -hmm. But if you're right, like you are, sometimes you're going to be hungry and sometimes you're not going to be hungry. And it's fine that it's like all over the place because that's just truly how your body is. It's like a little more inconsistent, which isn't a bad thing. That's just how you are. Mm -hmm. And then, okay. So then specifically what's called your digestion, there's six types and there can be either like a left or a right variation. So there's 12 and for you, and this is the part where it can really change minute by minute. So I caution people to, anyway, it's just something to know before, you know, they get too tied up in it. But for you, it is indirect light. So what that means is you do best when you eat more of your food when it's actually dark out. What? Yeah. And this piece of information, like it really depends on where people are in their journey as to whether or not it resonates. Because some of them are like Mm -hmm. a little more hard to do in the mainstream, right? Like we've all Mm -hmm. had like healthy sort of like wellness information tell us like, you know, don't eat too late or don't snack at night or whatever. So like, you know, and there could be a lot of other things going on where like, maybe that resonates, maybe it doesn't. But yeah, so for indirect light people, the reason why 
that's the guidance in human design is because mm-hmm. your body actually is able to digest food and is doing that more when the sun is down. So it's like there's a part of you that has kind of like this circadian rhythm that's like kind of different. Wow, this is so interesting. <laughs> okay. What's your eating pattern like right now? So the funny thing is, okay, when I was, I think, at my most healthiest, I was actually living in Spain, and they eat really late. Like, they eat dinner at, like, 9. <laughs> yeah. They don't really eat in the morning, maybe, like, a little snack. Lunch is really late, and they eat most of their meal in the evening, and I was thriving. That's amazing. Then. Yeah. So like usually indirect light people, I tell them like having dinner as your biggest meal is really good. If you're not hungry in the morning, like don't make yourself eat something because it's going to kind of weigh you down and it's going to be, you're literally going to be like carrying it around in your body and it's not going to be digested the same way as somebody who's direct light, right, would be. Mm. Um, And then if you do get hungry, like have a snack at night, it's actually going to be okay for you. Like for other people, they might not be able to handle it. So that like nutrition advice was right for some people, but it's not applicable to you. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Is there anything else that you feel like I should know about from my chart? Ooh. It's purely a selfish question. Well, are there any other like big questions or not challenges, but just like things that you're contemplating in your life? Oh man. I don't know. Ooh, that's deep. Because there's so much to say, and it's okay if there's nothing coming. It's probably true. But there's so much to say about a chart that it's kind of like, I like to anchor it back to like, what's going on? And how is it going to be relevant to you right now? You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I had a question. What is signature on here? Yeah. So signature, it's sort of like the opposite of not self, right? So if not self is how we're feeling when we're out of alignment, or kind of like in the low frequency way of inhabiting something, mm-hmm. the signature is how you feel when you are aligned with your energy type. So for someone with a sacral center, if you're doing Mm -hmm. what lights you up, if you are just really honoring that life force, I think about like the most primal thing you can do is like when you eat something delicious and you've been hungry all day, it's so satisfying. It's like that Mm. feeling, right? Of like, okay, I'm doing what lights me up. I'm really feeding that inner hunger and I'm like filling myself up. I'm satisfied. I don't really have anything... So I was like, dang, I wish I would have thought about that more. I actually have no idea. I will say two things. One, I'm just also noticing that for your throat center, it's completely open, right? N- nothing is on it at all, which whenever you're undefined, it means that you can take on kind of what's going on around you, right? So as like a podcast host with an undefined throat, it's like you can really speak on behalf of your audience. You can really be in different situations and kind of feel into what's being said in the room and then yeah speak from not a place of like the opposite would if you have a defined note would be I'm speaking on behalf of like who I am right because it's stable and Mm -hmm. innate for you it's like I can speak on behalf of whatever is going on around me and really be a reflection in this way it's kind of like a, a baby version of a reflector right just in this one center you're really reflecting what's going on for everyone else's voice Ooh, that's interesting. I feel like I've always had a hard time speaking my own personal truth, but I'm okay with speaking about everything else. Exactly. That is so open. Or I'm like, oh, that makes more sense to me. That's so open throat. Because if you don't have a defined sense of your voice, then gosh, there's a lot of pressure if someone's like, Christina, what do you think? Like, tell us like, you know, all about this stuff, because it's going to literally change depending on the environment for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I if, when people ask me that, I'm like, <laughs> which is okay. That's also a really big <laughs> thing. In talking about like using human design, 
you know, for accepting and like loving ourselves more. It's like, why is having this like talk track all the time better than not, right? It's okay to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that can actually be so wise too. So I went to Thailand. I went and found the sound healer that I discovered through this girl that I randomly met in Thailand that looks like one of my really good friends. It was so weird. She was awesome. Her name was Celeste also, which I thought was beautiful. So she had gone to the sound healer and then she's like, Christina, I think you really should go. And then I went to him and we did the sound healing. And I remember when we were finished, his big thing with me was like, your throat chakra is blocked. You never say how it is that you actually feel because you're nervous or scared or worried about the reaction of everybody else. And so that the throat chakra has always been very interesting to me ever since that experience, because it was really true, really resonated with me and me developing that sense of speaking what I'm actually thinking Mm -hmm. or what my actual opinion is. But that's interesting to hear that since mine's open, it's not as stable for me to relay my own inner message. Well, and it's not to say that you shouldn't say how you feel, right? I guess the way I would connect those two experiences is what conditioning have you grown up with that has taught you that what you have to say isn't enough? Or is there like, what were the experiences that put pressure on you to have to express yourself in a certain way? Because in your chart, the kind of natural way of your throat energy is just to say whatever is true in the moment, right? And so if it's, mm-hmm. if you're feeling blocked, if you're feeling like you can't express yourself, it's like, was there pressure to, yeah, like say a specific thing or always have something prepared to be able to speak in the moment, right? It's like that pressure of like, is it better to always have an opinion versus not, you know, for you, like mm-hmm. it could be okay to not have an opinion or to say like, well, I don't know, like I'll have to think about that. And that is just as valid and worthy as the person with like the whole commentary. Oh, okay, cool. Wow. I can't, I'm going to journal about this. I think outside after we talk. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you think people should know about human design 101 or getting their chart read or anything like that? Oh, I mean, I think like, as you can see, it's so unique for every single person, right? Like your chart and the lessons you get and what really resonates is going to be unique because each person's chart is unique. Ultimately, though, it is such a helpful way to see yourself, to remember the parts of yourself that maybe were forgotten, right? And has been a hugely helpful healing tool for me. It's like kind of this blueprint of like, this is how I really am and like a lens to look through where have I been conditioned and work through, you know, different beliefs. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff we can cover in a reading I love supporting people on their journeys as I've been on the path myself. That's so cool. Yeah, I can't wait. And I'm going to link how people can find you in this episode and the show notes. And then just kind of closing everything up, do you have any women of color that are inspiring you right now oh, that you're really loving? Yeah. Um, so there is, because I've been reading more because, you know, there's it's just something to do. And I don't know, have you heard of Jenny Zhang? And she has a book called Sour Heart. It was published in 2017. Um, and it's a book of short mm-hmm. stories of just like growing up as like a Chinese American teenager. And oh my God, it like, it was like devastating in the best possible way. Just like very captured the experience of like being a teenager, like growing up, all these things. So I would definitely check. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah, I would definitely check that book out. 
And then the other person I've been liking on social media is her name's Mimi Young. And she has this beautiful line of shamanic skincare products. And she also does like energy healing and dream interpretation and all these things. I actually haven't personally used the skincare products because I'm like really Mm -hmm. lazy about my skincare, but I've done some dream interpretation and other stuff with her and she's amazing. And also, yeah, and she's also her company. I think her IG is shop ceremony, but ending in an IE, but she, yeah, she's like fully in the wellness space and also like, Hey, I'm a woman of color and has been recently posting about some like, coronavirus racism stuff which has been really interesting Ooh, okay cool no I can't wait to look her up also yeah well is there anything else that you would want to share I was like please I'm inviting you to share oh thank you whatever I mean mostly just it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and share kind of a different part of my story than I, I have in other places and I would, yeah, if anyone's listening to this and is like, oh my God, I need to know my design, I would love to talk to you. I also have, I just do little kind of tidbits on my IG too. So if it's not ever reading is something that feels like, you know, a bit of a splurge right now, you can kind of follow along. And when the time is right, I am, I'm here to support. Yay. This is awesome. I'm so excited. I think I already have a couple of people that were like, you're doing a human design episode. Great. I want to know like more about it. And I think what I'll, I'm really excited to do is share some resources like your page, how they can get a reading with you and all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much. No, this was really cool. I mean, you saw my face half the time. I was like, what? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's what fills me up. I love seeing people like realize like, oh yeah, this is like really me and like I can own it, you know? So thank you so much. This is so cool. Thank you. Well, I hope you have a great Saturday. Do you have like big plans to like chill out after this? And it was a little yeah. combo. Yeah, basically just to chill out after same. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. I'm like, I'm going to go watch Ozark. Mm. We're on season three. Nice. So got to see what happens. But yeah. Thank this you. This was so cool. Yeah, I'm so Yay, happy that it resonated. And yeah, this is so fun. All right. Well, that was my episode with Victoria. Thank you guys so much for listening all the way to the end. I feel like I can't talk today, but like I always say, if you like the show, please, please share it with a friend you think that would like it too. As I said earlier, we're about to hit a thousand downloads and I would love if y'all could share it. Please come find me on Instagram at imboldcompany. Make sure you rate, subscribe, leave a review, whatever feels good for you. Hopefully you've been liking what we've been putting out there into the world. You can check out the full show notes with links to everything that Victoria and I mentioned today. And if you haven't already, please sign up for our weekly newsletter. Each Thursday, we feature different women of color around the world and their work. So it can be anything from new TV shows, music, articles, books, Reiki healers, energy, anyone in the wellness space, literally anything, any woman of color that in any industry that I feel like you guys might like or want to get to know. So please sign up if you haven't already. And then next week on the podcast, I'm going to have our episode with Rosa Rebellion, Virginia and Megan on the podcast. And if you're still listening, the theme of the episode was meditation. And if you have a favorite way that you like to meditate, a favorite meditation app, 
what have you, share it with me on Instagram and then I can share it with everybody else. All right. Have a good day. Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're having a good day. Thank you. All right. Next time. Bye.